Get ready, people, for the show that's all about crypto with blockchain expert, entrepreneur, and day trader, also founder and CEO of Digital Currency LLC, your host of Cryptocurrency Now, Jeffrey Bitten, a.k.a. Coin Gorilla, with co-host, radio veteran, D. Elvis, the voice chameleon. It's Cryptocurrency Now. I'm your new co-host, D. Alvis, joined by the coin gorilla, Mr. Jeffrey Baton, deep in the mines of crypto country. <laughs> yes, I am. I'm deep in those crypto mines, getting that money. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, man. I'm, uh, I'm in my, my cave. It's not as fancy as the mines, but it does the job. So there's sun shining outside, but I'll be here in the cave as we get cracking on some good stuff man i'm excited to be a part of the show and i really appreciate you getting in touch and hopefully we get a chance to inform people entertain people and get everything cleared up on this awesome new trend that is here to stay and that is cryptocurrency and blockchain technology man i couldn't have said it better myself and just coming from me d it's a real pleasure and honor to have you on the show and i really know everybody listening will gain a lot and just a lot of knowledge and learn about a lot about crypto in general so uh i'm really excited to do this me too i'm so stoked because you know i am a novice and i think that's one of the things that will help people understand that it's not you know you know this stuff you're very well versed I'm a guy with a background in all kinds of businesses, obviously broadcasting, but uh, it's going to be one of those things where it's going to be a learning experience for me, and this is a topic I'm very excited about, and I'm excited to learn from you and learn with you as this thing grows and develops globally, and you know, one day there'll be mines on Venus and Jupiter too, I'm sure. I'm sure there will. You know, there are probably people planning about it and probably trying to launch an ICO for that shortly. <laughs> <laughs> Cool, brother. Well, let's get into it with Crypto Basics. Crypto Basics, breaking down the basics of crypto. Sure. Okay. Crypto Basics. Today, we're going to discuss the basics of blockchain, Based what blockchain is, what it does, what it you know stands to accomplish. Basically, blockchain is a decentralized currency that uses peer-to-peer technology. So peer-to-peer essentially means there's no central authority issuing money or tracking transactions. Instead, these are just like random people all over the world collectively on the network doing things person to person. So blockchain is a decentralized, basically like a public database or a ledger that's a permanent record. In other words, it's like a log file that stores an immutable record of all transactions. You know what I mean? It's not controlled by a central administrator. Instead, it's controlled by just a bunch of people that work off nodes in the network. So, right. So it's like a digital version of the back of your checkbook, essentially, right? But it's not just your checkbook. It's a universal thing. Is exactly. Okay. It is. And it's super secure. And, and we'll go a little deeper into that to where – one person can have a private key, another party can have a private key. And unless those two are together, it doesn't matter where that info is out. It'll be basically like pieces of a puzzle scattered. Unless these two people have that, those private keys, that information can't be transferred. That goes into smart contracts and everything. But yeah, yeah, you're correct. You're absolutely right. So how does that differ from, say, like a banking software? 
banking software is basically controlled by the bank. So they have a central, think of like a server. They have a central information hub where they keep all their info, transmit it, someone transmits it throughout their network. That's susceptible to hack or even being taken off offline completely. You know what I mean? If that server or their information network goes down, basically that can put a lot of people's information vulnerable or as well, just stop banking completely, you know, until they figure it out. Right. So this is a much more secure way and it's decentralized, meaning no one entity has control over it, right? Yes. And no one entity can shut it down. So for instance, let's say there's a huge blackout. The more nodes there are out there, the more people working on the blockchain, the more miners, the network is not going to go down. Your information is still secure and accessible, even if like a third of the world's computers go down. You see what I mean? Oh, wow. Okay. Or yeah. Or if your bank just thinks you're doing something stupid. I know what happened for me. I was overseas a couple of years ago and my bank, after a couple of transactions, just shut off my account. Basically, they, they, they terminated my card without even trying to notify me, which I'm overseas. I'm not carrying much cash and I'm traveling yeah. with my family. And that was crippling. And I then, bet. So. It's one of those things where I just, I don't know. Obviously, banks are necessary, especially right now, but I've definitely run into problems, and I'm sure many people listening to this have as well. Uh, you love the fact that they're watching out for you in the sense where, you know, if they see something that's suspicious, they can shut it down. But right. my fear is if I didn't report it, don't shut it down. Hey, bro, and I've been a victim of that myself overseas. It happened to me in Panama about a year ago. I was literally stuck in the airport for two days until I had to verify all my information, go through a bunch of procedures and a bunch of people on the higher ups. I literally was like, you know, that movie with Tom Hanks a long time ago where he was in the airport stranded because like yes. his country fizzled. Terminal. I felt like that, dude. It was two <laughs> days of just like literally people like getting me coffee and like oh, listening man. to my story. It was a trip, bro. But but yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. So blockchain's here to change all that. So so like this is in its infancy, bro. So that being said, there has to be more ways to convert that the bitcoins or, or any digital currency into fiat or to be accepted more in more places. Because as of right now, that just seems to be the only inhibitor of its progress is that enough people aren't accepting crypto so that you can't travel around the world with your phone and a QR code or, you know, an address and, and do things. You know what I mean? Okay. Now here's, uh, I'm going to go on this whole premise that there's no stupid questions, only stupid answers, right? So no, of course. I'm still coming from the perspective of someone who's new to this. And so when I hear Fiat, I think of Italian cars. <laughs> fiat means any paper money, any like government issued currency. That's what fiat means. So like okay. a dollar, a Canadian dollar, you know, Australian, British pound, whatever you're using. So so that's what I mean by fiat. So so right now you have your your digital currency, let's say on a on a wallet stored somewhere on an exchange. Not that many exchanges will have the option to allow you to to convert it into actual cash. And on uh, top of that, not a lot of businesses accept your digital currency. So it's not like I could walk, go around the world right now with my phone and pay for my dinner, but you know, on a menu by scanning a QR code. You know, until it's adopted more, that's the only inhibitor I feel right now of being just you know way more usable. Well, 
and we're going to get there because even the banking industry, oh, yeah. that's fairly new technology where people have the apps on their phone where, you know, secure pay or whatever, where they just kind of flash their phone in front of the where normally you would insert your credit card or whatever right. ATM card in the at the register. And now they have, you know, that technology where it's just whoop, swipe yep. over it. You're done. And people say it saves them all this time and whatever. But I would venture to guess the majority of people in the world aren't using that even right now. So exactly. This seems like something that could replace that very soon. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, it's it's a matter of time, I believe. And and like you're talking about credit cards and banks, they're already looking into blockchain technology. They're already creating applications, which are called DApps, which stand for Decentralized Applications for the banking sector. So there's a bunch of banks already using Ethereum to create applications either for their internal use. And there's even some banks trying to create or looking into their creating their own blockchain to do kind of an internal system. Wow. Okay. So broken down some of the basics here. And that way I'm taking notes as we go along too, because I plan on using some of this for myself down the road as I get more involved, maybe and looking into investing and things like that. But again, I'm still learning. I never go into something unless I'm 100% sure. And I'm sure a lot of people listening right now feel the same way. And hopefully, as we talk more, you'll help put them at ease as well. Hey, on that note, just to let everybody know, I graduated with a Bachelor's of Science in Agriculture. Okay, my background is not in finance. I was fortunate enough to get into crypto and meet the right people, which explained it to me. And I delved into it wholeheartedly. And anything I do, I try to do to the fullest. I research everything on my own. I'm self-taught in this. So it's accessible to everybody. That's what I love about blockchain. I was a junior trader at a forex exchange in my younger days and that basically meant cold calling people and begging them to list with my you know lead broker that i was under but i did learn a lot and i must say anyone could get in this and that's the beauty of blockchain brother i think that's what's great is you know the internet age gave us the opportunity for a lot of people to dabble in you know day trading and things like that and with experience and knowledge you just get better at it and wiser about it And this just seems like the new evolution of that. And what I like is I think one of the common misconceptions right now for a lot of folks out there is the fear of uh, it being something that's insecure when the fact really is that this is just a much more complex way of encrypting things and making things even more secure than they've ever been. Exactly. And and the possibilities are endless. You know what I mean? We'll go into that maybe at a later time, but cool. uh, there's there, there's a bunch more to talk about, man. And uh, yeah. Yeah. So let's check out uh, some of the trends in what's going on in different coins this past week with CoinWatch. CoinWatch, giving you the lowdown on the hottest performing coins. Okay. So Jeff, what would you say would be like the three hottest coins in terms of their performance in this past week? All right. So the previous episode, I went into the more traditional coins. I delved into Ethereum. I de- delved into Ethereum, Bitcoin Cash, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you guys could listen to the previous episode and it'll be there. 
Yeah. But uh, this week, I'll delve into ones that most of you probably haven't heard of, but they are super top performers, and uh, I'm sure you guys will be impressed by their performance. So uh, let's start with coin number three. It's called OxCoin. Now, the ticker symbol is CRX. Currently, the market cap is $850 million, roughly, and it's number 33 on coin market cap. Now, I've been watching this coin for a while. As you guys know, I'm a big alt trader, and I've been keeping my eye on this, and I've been delving in a little bit, and it's it's been a good one, fellas. So if you would have went ahead and bought ZRX on May 1st, it would have cost you $1.13 per coin. If you were to go ahead and buy at a time of recording today on May 8th, it would have been $1.83. So that's a seven-day gain of 39%. Yeah, so I mean that's huge. If you would have put a thousand dollars, you would have got a return of three hundred and ninety dollars on your money. Now, you know, I mean, where else can you get those kind of gains and returns? I mean, the crypto that's market. Insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and we're talking a week. This is seven days. Now, I'm gonna blow your mind a little bit. Now, if you look at this coin on a thirty day, a thirty day investment, and you would have just invested thirty days ago and cashed out today you would have made a whopping 200%. What? Yes, dude. Yes. I mean, they don't call me the coin gorilla for nothing. I'm a day trader and I haven't really been doing it as much lately. But dude, like, I mean, I've been watching coins and, and dealing with coins for years that pe- that weren't on, even on people's radar. And, you know, they've just taken off. So like I, I was buying Litecoin when it was like two bucks and I was buying like Ethereum at $12. I jumped into Bitcoin when it was like 200 bucks, bro. So I, I mean, yeah, you're not going to see those returns unless you go back in time and invest in Microsoft in the 90s. You know, it's like that's yeah. Crazy. Or, or, or if you pull like, uh, you know, Marty McFly and you get that book. <laughs> You know what I mean? And uh, you, you got all the all the right companies to buy. But uh, yeah, it's it's insane. So that's why I bet on the Cubs two years ago. So. <laughs> so, man, I'll, I'll go into coin number two. It's another coin called Zilliga. And the ticker is ZIL. It has a coin market cap of a billion dollars. And it's currently number 28 on on the coin market cap dot com. If you were to purchase this coin May 1st. It would have cost you ten cents for one coin. Wow! If you would have went ahead and tried to purchase it today, it is now currently at fourteen cents. So that's a seven-day gain of thirty-eight percent. Okay, so that's real similar to Ox's gain on, on a weekly level. You see what I'm saying? Thirty-eight, right, thirty-nine percent, right. which is huge. I, I like. I don't like to put all my eggs in one basket, so I delve into multiple altcoins. You know, diversify <laughs> your bombs, bitches. Diversify. You already know. So. <laughs> And guys, this is all just, you know, technicals. I'm not giving anybody any financial advice. I mean, don't please don't follow this and think I'm some financial advisor because I'm not. I never claim to be. I'm just giving you historical data and facts that are available on the Internet. Please, you guys can check all this out for yourselves and verify what what I'm speaking about. Right. What Jeff's basically doing is summing up the past week in in what's trended. So. It's and and like, basically blessing all you guys with good info that absolutely. I take time to go reach and look after. And I've been researching. So I'm just – to all my people that have been following me, we, we all want to eat together. So I, I'm really, really happy to give this information out there and I hope everyone makes money. Yeah, there's plenty of seats at the dinner table, you know, so. Definitely. But hey, uh, 30 days, man. So if you look at this Zilliga on a 30-day, it has risen 240%. Jeez. 
So like, yeah, dude. So like you could have literally <laughs> bought a 30 days ago and made 240% gains on whatever investment you put in, which is just unreal. Okay. And the cool thing with that is, you know, I know there's going to be people out there that have thousands that they can invest. There's going to be some out there that maybe only have a couple hundred they can invest. Either way, you're getting quite a return. And uh, I think when it comes to investing overall, you just want to make sure your money is doing something positive. Right. And I'll tell you what, man, I wish someone was giving me this advice when I started. I literally took the losses with my own money and I was the guy that had 200 to invest five, six years ago. So right. just just to anyone, don't be scared and uh, never invest something you're not willing to lose or that will put you on the street or not allow you to pay your rent. You get what I'm saying? Everybody just, you know, whatever you're willing to afford to lose, invest more than that. I mean, you know, it's a personal decision. <laughs> yeah, don't don't quit your day job to and yeah. be an overnight millionaire from doing. Think something. they're going to listen to Coin Gorilla every week and be a millionaire? You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, no, it's not going to happen, fellas. But if anything, uh, you treat this at most like your side hustle. That's that's about, exactly you know. a legal side hustle, which is absolutely amazing. yeah. It's so you can that's drive Uber or you can invest. You know, it's up to you. There we go. <laughs> All right, man. So so we're gonna go to coin number one now. Do, 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 do. <laughs> I shouldn't I probably shouldn't be telling people my little secret coin I've been messing with, but uh, I, I will. I will. So it's called Pundix, okay? And the ticker is NPXS. It has a coin market cap. Not, nothing too spectacular, only about 319 million, roughly. It's uh number 69 on coin market cap. Now, if you would have bought it May 1st, it's a fraction of the penny. Literally, it's fractions of a penny right now. What? It's yeah, it's literally fractions of a penny per MPXS token. And so, in you, this situation, real quick, if I may ask, what would be like? I'm sure there's a minimum you have to put in, right? You couldn't be like, "Hey, I got a penny." Well, <laughs> well, basically, you have to just find an exchange that lists it and see uh -huh. what their minimums are. Oh, so, whatever okay. the exchange's minimums are, there and and different exchanges have different minimums and things you can purchase. But, bro, literally twenty bucks. You, you can go ahead and buy some of this stuff. You know what I mean? Dude, I might have that in my couch. Mm-hmm. In quarters and change and just laundry, you know, money laying around. But so, bro, so today it's still at a fractions of a penny. All right. Oh. And I want everyone to hear this. So seven day gain of 18%, which is which is huge also. I mean, it's not like the others. But okay, guys, are you ready for this? This is like a mind blower. 30 day gain of a whopping 570%. Woo! <laughs> Woo! I'll do the Ric Flair yeah, also. Exactly. I, hey, I'm styling <laughs> and profiling with those returns. Man, I'm, I'm <laughs> telling you, like, that is just, you know, insane, insane returns. And this is a newer kind of coin. It's at fractions of a penny. Think of it as a penny stock. You know what I mean? Do your research. But, right. I mean, if you were smart enough to buy in, Ride the wave and just buy out. That's what you could have been doing in 30 days, folks. So uh, that's Coin Watch, people. Coin Gorilla. Great stuff. We're going to take a quick break. Come back in a few, and we'll get to more of cryptocurrency now. Well, we're moving on.
Thanks again for joining us for Cryptocurrency Now. We'll have a new episode for you guys to sink your ears into every Friday. In the meantime, be sure to follow Jeffrey Baton on Twitter at CoinGorilla1. You can follow me there at DAlvis. Tuesday, we'll have some bonus content for you guys as Larry Sanger joins us for a chat. You might know Larry as one of the founders of Wikipedia. He'll be joining us to talk about his latest creation, Everipedia, which will use blockchain to revolutionize the way we access legitimate information. Again, that's going to be Tuesday for you guys. In the meantime, have a great weekend, stay wise, and stay safe. All right, we're back, folks, with the Coin Gorilla. That's Jeff and I'm D, and we're going to be chatting a little bit about what's in the news in the crypto world right about now and the latest topics going on this week. Jeff, what you got? To be or not to be. Covering the latest crypto news, regulations, and trends globally. All right. So I'm going to discuss about the uh, Federal Reserve. And they're actually talking about the reason Bitcoin took the crash in December of 2017. Now, you got to remember, D, uh, back in December, Bitcoin was at an all-time high of 19,000 plus. It was almost at 20,000, okay? Yeah. Which is huge. I, I mean, it was just ridiculous. Everyone was jumping on board. What happened just, was- like, just to add a little tidbit as to, you know, how things can change so quickly, that was the story that made me say, oh my God, this is just some passing fancy and I'd be a fool to get involved with this kind of stuff. Because and that was just a couple months ago, you know, because that's yeah. what you get beat over the head with in the news. If you're not doing your research, folks, and I mean this in any subject, if you're not doing your own research, you can't always go by what the hot news story is. Because for me, and I know a lot of other folks, that was the story that said, Oh, I gotta stay away from this stuff. But then right. here we are six months later, and what's up, Jeff? Yeah, so <laughs> here we are six months later, and you got a bunch of people trying to get into crypto that don't know shit about it, and uh, they're trying to delve in. You know what I mean? And then you got the the veterans like like me and other people in the industry that are more low key, but that are now understanding that this is a business, and we need to get into this or let all these conglomerates just just run amok. So right, yeah. So so what they're saying is the Federal Reserve is actually saying that the the ETF future funds that were released caused the crash, okay? So let me tell you what happened. So everyone was really stoked about these ETFs coming out, which were basically allowed pe- people to to play the future market with Bitcoin. So I was on the Larry and Joe show, which is a show I did an interview on, and this was a, about a month back. I told everyone. I said, my theory is when the ETFs came out, that's what made – the market crash. And here's my verification from the Federal Reserve (laughs) today. So they are actually confirming this and they say that due to the um, ETF funds, that's what caused the crash, that caused the fall in the price. It doesn't appear to be a coincidence. It is consistent with trading behavior that typically accompanies the introduction of future markets for an asset. Now, you know, the Federal Reserve is like the authority. They create our currency. They're actually contracted by the government to create our currency. They're semi-quasi-governmental, private, you know what I mean. But um, (laughs) (laughs) 
who knows what they are. They're, they're a whole new uh, breed. You know what I mean? They're a whole hybrid of their own. But uh, yeah, they're confirming it, guys. That was what caused the crash. I called it a month ago. It just was really interesting to me to see that that's what it caused. I mean, and it's just basic financials. If there, anyone knows about the financial markets and keeps an eye on the stock markets and the Forex markets, they would know that this happens when something like this. People bet right. short. You know what I mean? And that's the thing. I mean, it, I guess it all depends on everyone's personal goals. But my general rule of thumb now, again, I actually did start investing in my retirement and things like that in my mid 20s. Thank God for my stepfather, who was very, right. very wise. And he was in finance and he said, you're not thinking about retirement yet? And I'm like, oh, at the time, you know, I was like 25. And I'm like, no, man, I'm thinking about my next beer and uh, where the girls are. You know, and <laughs> Me too. <laughs> right. Yeah, like most 25-year-olds. But, you know, he just taught me to put some things aside and things like that. And then I got into investing for long term because – and that was the big thing that he warned me about. He said, basically, look, if you're looking at long-term investments, that's the key is things are going to fluctuate. Right. Things are going right. to crash. Things are going to rise. Things are going to crash. Things are going to rise. So he said you should never panic in those situations. Now, if you're looking at something a little more short term, I guess that's a whole different ballgame. But right. overall, this you're, like you said, I mean, this is just it's the trend in stocks. It's the trend in really all aspects of finance. So it's going to happen in cryptocurrency as well. So. And, and even in the world, I, I mean, yeah. when when there's like wars all over the world and all these like contractors, the Halliburtons and, and all these companies go in. I mean, that's the opportunity. Their stock rises like uh -huh. tons, a bunch. You know, they get these huge contracts wherever there's war. There's opportunities. Businesses that are in that market, they look at it like that. And, and their stocks really just jump through the roof when whenever there's a war and they've and just been contracted, you know, so. War has always been good for the, at least, you know, here in the U.S. for the stock market uh, in over the course of history. Just generally speaking, you know, when we got out of the Depression, right. after the Great Depression, a big part of that was because of World War II. And exactly. So then the economy's booming, you know, things go up and down. And that's where I think, you know, I think a lot of people have heard the phrase war is profitable. And that's pretty true in the United States, at least. Yes. <laughs> Come make a buck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet brother, what do you got for us, man? Well, sir, how about uh, we do a little something here with the... So I saw this thing about the crypto auctions where, where uh, arrested Bitcoins kind of, you know, where do they end up? So, right. you know, they've been associated, cryptocurrencies have been associated with many black markets and illicit activities, which is, I think is another one of those things where... Where people are all for regulation. Cash is also. <laughs> yeah. And and so they said, you know, Bitcoin's feature of allowing direct payments to be made from one party to another because it can't be tracked. So this is from an article basically from Cointelegraph by Robin LaCrecia. I'm sorry if I'm butchering your name to the author of this article. But I guess the gist of it essentially is that that is one of those big fears that is brought up all the time that right. from and again, this is coming from government fears that, hey, if we're not regulating this and we don't get our piece of the pie, then bad things can happen like this. But really, it seems like the fact of the matter is that it's a very so far what's documented a very, very tiny percent, like one thousandth of a percent has been traced 
to illicit activities. So, yeah. And you know what? It just goes back to the time of like the Silk Road and the Silk Road was like that black market, you know, website that allowed people to purchase whatever they wanted with and and Bitcoin was the currency they were using. So it basically got the name of illicit activity from that. Now, now that was back in 2013. You know what I'm saying? That it got right. closed. We're now in 2018. You know, it's a whole different world. It, it, it really may have is. started to where it was low key and kind of backdoor and kind of secretive and on the dark net. But I mean, that's not the case anymore. And you could to, to say that because drug dealers use cash money that, you know, cash money is inherently bad or cannot yeah. be, tr- you know, it's, it's just is not true. You know what I'm saying? So it's. It's basically a, a neutral thing that could be used for good or bad. And there's always going to be people using currency for good or bad, no matter if it's digital, paper, or even on credit cards, man. You, you know yeah. what I'm saying? It's Yeah. So. I mean, it really, with anything, I mean, you could uh, you could do that through, you know, I'm, I'll just use like PayPal as an example. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. Exactly. If I were so inclined to go buy some weed and maybe I didn't have the cash, I could PayPal my drug dealer or whatever. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, like, not I'm that I'm sure going there's to ways do that, to do it. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure there's ways to do it. And, you know, let, like, so let's, t- let's touch on that. So the Silk Road, it got shut down. The guy, Ross Ulbricht, right now, the, the founder of the Silk Road, he's actually doing a life prison term in the feds. So, uh, God bless you, buddy. But, uh, hey, Damn, uh, on top of, yeah, dude, they, they got him, bro. But on top of that, so let's talk about the Secret Service guy that was running this whole Bitcoin thing because he was Ooh. the only basically expert in the government that knew what the fuck Bitcoin was. Uh. He is now doing time because he was caught – he's serving us now this article – is on uh, boingboing.net. But <laughs> that sounds appropriate because he's probably in that uh, good old federal pound me in the ass prison right now. So. <laughs> he's probably finding out about the boing boing <laughs> that's routine. A, that's a cellmate. <laughs> Sadly name. to say, I'm actually not too, not too sad for this guy. He was dirty. You know what I mean? But um, hey, crime doesn't pay, kids. It doesn't. It does not. Hey, go to school. Learn about Bitcoin, everybody. But he <laughs> served a 71-month sentence and just had two years added after he pleaded guilty to stealing more Bitcoin after his pl- guilty plea while he was out on bail. So oh. Bridges ad- – yeah, dude. So this guy, he admitted that in 2015, he stole 1,600 Bitcoin, okay, that was on like the federal government Bitcoin account that once they seized – from the from the Silk Roads proceeds, and he like siphoned them, and then he got caught, bro. So, yeah, dude. Got so, it. people could be shady in government too. So I'm glad this oh, yeah. guy is doing. T- I can you tell know, you, I'm so glad that, they got him. Yeah, what did we lose? Uh, uh, what was it 19 trillion dollars? It just magically disappeared about two years ago by the CIA. So this stuff kind of happens from time to time. It does. <laughs> you know, not every. Yeah, that's the thing is you, you can't control everybody. And there's always going to be some loose cannons and some bad apples. You know, you can't regulate everything. That's just the way it is. The world is like that. You could make that debate in anything for. Yeah. You know, like, hey, you know, do we ban cheeseburgers or something because some guy can't control himself and eats 200 of them? I don't know. You know, it, they it might in New York with the way they're banning large sodas. Ooh. I mean, you never know <laughs> those guys. Yeah, I mean, I could go on for a whole hour about that kind of stuff. But yeah, the bottom line is this is one of those things where I feel like it's the let's put out kind of I don't want to call them so much scare tactics, but because 
the people that want to have control over this industry don't have control over this industry. They want to put out these kind of stories that get people scared off a bit. And again, it's just yeah. as simple as doing your own research and listening to cryptocurrency now and, you know, just finding information that is accurate for you because you're going to see these stories pop up from time to time. It's just going to be the way it is. Right. It is. It is. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. No, it isn't. <laughs> and I love that it's called the Silk Road because it sounds so like that actually sounds like a nice, happy place. <laughs> you know, as hey, man, to- and the logo had like a camel with some guy on it. It seemed so mundane. Like it was like, yeah, dude. It, I mean, I have to say if it was a legitimate business, it would succeed, bro. Like if it wasn't into drugs and they were selling yeah. like electronics, right. it would have been really cool, bro. And it would have still been probably one of the top marketplaces today because it was it was groundbreaking in the fact that it had an escrow system to where – you didn't have to know your vendor. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So the whole thing that I loved about it was these vendors were anonymous. Okay. So how do you trust an anonymous vendor? The Silk Road had an escrow system. It wouldn't release the funds unless you approved it or received whatever you were getting, which was a great business that model. Is so great, I, yeah, I you mean, know what I, I mean, dude, I, I work, um, you know, in my actual business, it's mostly freelance is what I do now. So, right. And that's what I, I go through third parties all the time. And if they don't have an escrow service, those right. ones I stay away from because I agree to do a job for someone and they're, so they have to release the funds into the, this third party service, right? Exactly. One of my freelancer sites. So they're holding onto the funds. I send them the files that we agreed upon once they approve and say, okay, good to go. Then that, third party releases the funds to me and that's how i get paid on a lot of my gigs so i think it's it's a great business model because it does give you some insurance and some guarantees on your transactions but then of course a couple people decided to turn it into something dirty well i think they were actually one of the first to actually kind of introduce that because at that time there really weren't the wasn't really freelance websites out there as as profoundly as there are today and I would be surprised to, to know who got their idea for an escrow and started one of these websites. You, you'd be amazed. You'd be surprised. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> like, I mean, everything kind of piggybacks. You, you see something that's working out. Uh, that's what we do. This is a world full of copycats. And that's not a bad thing when it comes to business. If something's working, emulate that formula and implement yeah. it into your business. That's what we all do it. That's what marketing, everything you do in your life. You know, we're not all going to be original. no we're not but we do take the best bits and pieces of successful things and that's what i think makes us uh great in in business and in life amen to that amen cool all right so um where are we going now brother well we could get into a little factor fiction if that's where you want to take it we're about uh 34 minutes in okay it sounds good all righty fact or fiction Putting your knowledge to the test. So, Jeff, fact or fiction, an IPO is the same as an ICO? False. Fiction. And why is that? All right. Well, an IPO basically is initial stock offering that a a company will go ahead and list on on an exchange. Let's say, you know, the New York stock, stock Exchange. They'll go ahead and put a public offering. They'll set a price. Now, in general, IPOs are formed after a company has been in business, has a working product, and they've established themselves in the industry. 
and have produced revenues, have a steady stream. And that's generally how IPOs work. So there's a lot more, you know, there's a lot more to an IPO. You check the company's past performance, you know, their future contracts, you know, whatever sales they got going. It's when they initially go public is what it is. Exactly. Right. Yeah. In ICO, now I have to say, wh- whoever came up with the term ICO, God bless you, you're a genius. <laughs> you know what I mean? So as an initial coin offering, now I'll tell you, 90% don't have nothing but a white paper, which is basically their company plan and model and what they want to do with funds and an idea and a website. And they release an initial coin offering and they get money. So it's like before they even have a working product, before they're even – most of them, and I have to tell you that's the thing with I, ICOs this, these days. And I'm glad that there's these a lot of these ICO foundations that kind of verify and check the validity. But um, there's a lot of ICOs that people don't know anything about blockchain and they're just putting the name blockchain, getting into a starting <laughs> ICO, hiring all these people – as advisors that are, you know, experts in the field. But as we all know, advisors generally just get, you know, a chunk of change and they may give you some advice, but they're not on your team 24 seven. They're not, right. they're, they're not a dedicated guy on your team, you know? So no, they're basically freelancing what, themselves. So exactly. So, so that's what they do now, as you know, coingorilla.com, digital currency, LLC, my company that I founded, we've already been launching an exchange. We've already been working on a token. We've already been doing all this like with my own funds, my own crypto gains. And we're about to launch Gcoin really very soon. We have a lot of exciting things. I'll talk about this another day. But basically the difference is, is you got to do a lot more research with an ICO. I generally would like to see an ICO that has either a working product or I'd like to see some of their source code on GitHub. I'd like to find out who their devs are. You know what I mean? See their telegram room, their chat, see what they're talking about. See how involved it is. There's also a lot of people don't realize, but developers and like people like me, we're not the ones that talk a lot on Twitter and and tweet every single day and and blast advertisements. We're a little more low key and we'll just publish like the real pertinent, big information online. You know, we're a little more low key. So just really do your research on ICOs, guys. Right on. That definitely clears that up. (laughs) Well, I think because a lot of people will see just those letters together. You know what I mean? An ICO sounds like an IPO, kind of that, like, you know, like a CEO versus a CFO. So people think like, oh, well, you know, it's finance versus executive and a CEO versus CFO. And, you know, people see ICO and IPO and they think, oh, those the I and the O must be the same thing. And it's just the P and the C are different. It's like, no, there there is a far greater difference between the two. And I think you cleared that up beautifully, Jeff. Thanks, bud. I appreciate it. Hey, I I got one for you. Okay. Since your background is in in radio, I know you've been on radio for more than 15 years. You've interviewed top guys in the in the rock you know the rock world and yeah so i've rubbed elbows with some pretty cool people over the years and it's been a lot of fun you know but this is also i got older and i said all right you know what i did after or immediately after radio i no. was actually in finance to an extent because i was doing insurance and long-term health care and all kinds of just you know final expenses and things like that and i was involved with a company that i'm not going to name but sure you know, they did a lot of financial planning and things like that. So I got really into this because I felt at that point in my life, I was like, well, 
time to get a big boy job. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. After messing around with that for a couple of years, I was like, "Ah, you know what? My heart wasn't in it because, again, and it had a lot to do with the company I worked for. Right. I felt like if I was going to be really helping people, I was cool with that. But a lot of times they wanted me to push products on people that those people didn't need. And it really came down to if you weren't, you know, uh, getting those extra deals in, they try. I don't want to say they hustled people, but they weren't exactly the most transparent and transparency in business is very important to me. So I said, nope. And so I just started doing my voiceover work and freelancing and doing all kinds of other stuff, which is my radio was definitely the thing I enjoyed the most. And it was uh, I had a lot of fun with bands, with, you know, movie stars and all that kind of stuff. And uh, you get to know that a lot of folks that are famous athletes, even they're a lot of them are just like everybody else and they're really down to earth dudes and there's sometimes you meet your heroes and you know that saying you never want to meet your heroes every now and yeah. then i would get into a situation where i meet somebody and uh for or not necessarily an individual from a band but sometimes the band in general or whatever or athletes in general and right it's like oh this guy's actually a dick oh what oh man that sucks yeah <laughs> the guy you like you the vision you had in your head of this person now it just is like oh yeah because and shattered. again they're putting on a, I don't want to say they're putting on an act necessarily, but like a lot of these people, that's part of the job, you know what I mean? Right. So, but it was cool, man. And, you know, I still get to play around every now and again because I still have a lot of connections in the industry and things like that. So uh, <laughs> that's badass. Living in a new city is a little different. I'm about a thousand miles away from where I really made my bones in that industry. But, you know, there are a lot of band guys that still remember me. There are a lot of industry folks that I'll still get emails from calls from like, hey, man, we're going to be on tour and I see you live in St. Pete now. So why don't you come on out to the show? And it's like, it's awesome, you know? That's badass. Yeah, that I, I dig that, man. So, all right. So I got one for you then. All righty. All right. The, uh, the Rolling Stones hold the record for the most consecutive decades with a number one album, Fact or Fiction? Man, I'm going to say that is fiction because I know that they, I, I want to say they hold a record for the most, no, was the Beatles had the most number one albums and the Stones were a fairly close second, I think, but their high success didn't span as long as I know U2 is now four decades in to another number one album, their newest one, Songs of Experience, that just top number one on the Billboard charts. And I know I can't tell you for sure which other ones, but I know Joshua Tree definitely was. That was back in the 80s. I want to say it was probably Octang Baby in the 90s. And oh, my God, the early 2000s. What was that one? Dude. Uh, oh, How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb. That was the one with the uh, hello, hello. That's <laughs> Vertigo. Dude, funny story about that. So when U2 dropped that album, because U2 is still like, whether people realize it or not, they're still one of the biggest bands in the world. Like when they wow. go on tour, they sell out stadiums like 70, 80,000 seat stadiums in a matter of hours. Like so if tickets are released, like say they were coming to where I live in the Tampa area, like they were going to play like not even Amelie Arena because that place is too small. They would have to play at like the Buccaneer Stadium, Raymond James Stadium, 70,000 plus. They could sell that out in probably two hours. They wow. still, when they tour, they're always like, you know, people may talk about what's hot, you know, in terms of music right now, people like Taylor Swift or, you know, Kanye has been in the news a lot and he's got a new album coming out. I'm sure he's going to generate a lot of buzz. But when it comes down to these bands with the longevity, it's because they, you know, Springsteen's another one who can just sell out stadiums in five minutes. But what they were releasing that album back in like 2001 or something like that, the record execs brought it in, right, for us to hear. 
in like I thought we were in like a James Bond movie. It was in a briefcase, and this was a CD, mind you. Okay, okay. this is an actual compact disc. Some of you listening right now are probably like, "What's a CD?" <laughs> it's how some of us listen to music up until about eight, nine years ago. So <laughs> it looks like a DVD or a Blu-ray, but it right. <laughs> it was in this briefcase, and there was literally they had an armed security guy that. He was handcuffed to the briefcase. What? And then they went into my boss's. So we're in my boss's office and they're like, oh, no, we have to use your stereo. So like they went and put it in the CD player and everything so we could hear the one track that first single Vertigo. And then the security guy, like he looks straight out of like Secret Service, some big dude in a black suit, (laughs) white shirt, skinny black tie, sunglasses. And he just stood in front of the thing. And I was just like. This is so weird, but whatever. And then as soon as they you know, we got to listen to the one song, then they took it out, put it back in the briefcase. You know, so there you go. If That's you're interested crazy. in pushing the new single, we will send you a digital copy. And we we're like, okay. <laughs> but I was like, did that just happen? Anyway, oh that's God. just my little fun story about you two. Hey, by, by the way, so probably how you feel uh, about crypto when I speak is the way I just felt. It sounded like a different fucking language, bro. I was just like, uh, but I'll see, take that's your what... word on everything you say, bro. Because <laughs> uh, I don't know what the fuck you were talking about, man. So that's the beauty of what we're doing here. This is what cryptocurrency <laughs> now is about. So it's you're, you know, the expert in this field, and right. I'm just like a regular dude who has some, other which is badass, dude. Like I, I got a. What... Yeah, and that's what we're going to show people, man, over the course of, you know, we're going to do this every week, and uh, we'll have some special guests along the way. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, we're going to have somebody very special coming up shortly after this episode airs. We'll have a very special interview. You want to tell people who that is? I do. We are actually very blessed and fortunate to uh, have Larry Sanger agree to come on the show. We're going to dedicate a whole episode to him. He's going to speak about himself, his past, who he is, and his new thing going on. He's a CIO of Everpedia, which is the Encyclopedia Blockchain. So that's huge, fellas. He's traveling all over the world. So uh, we just want to say thank you and look forward to having him on. And you guys will learn a lot. Yeah, this is going to be really cool, and it's going to be awesome to have him on. And uh, we will get to that when we get to that. But for now, anything else, Jeff? No, it sounds great. Just thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope you learned a little something. It's just going to get better from here, everyone. So uh, hope you like the show. Yeah, stick with us. Thank you for making me a part of it, Jeff. I really appreciate it. Of course. It. I, I really had a great time today, Me D, too, and, man. Uh, man, this has been awesome. So uh, everyone have a great week. Happy trading. Check out coingorilla.com and yeah, stay blessed. Right on. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Follow us and comment on Twitter at CoinGorilla1. Register now at coingorilla.com and tune in next week for another episode of Cryptocurrency Now. Cryptocurrency now.